We don't just send messages using our words. We send messages with our choices. That can be the way we do business right through to the images you choose to use on your website. This week, I speak with Taryn Williams, CEO of The Right Fit. The Right Fit is an online marketplace that helps businesses find professional models, actors, and many other types of talent needed to create advertising or marketing content. Taryn is a highly decorated business leader who in this episode shares how an organization's choice in talent can have a positive impact on their brand and society in general. Oprah, Steve Jobs, Andrew Denton, Arne Doe. To me, these guys are masters of communication. The rest of us, well, mainly you, because I'm a pro, fumble our way through. Comical examines this funny little thing called communication that can either tear us down or make us sore. Join me, I'm an amateur comedian and a communication expert. Join me and listen, learn and laugh through the experiences of my very talented guests. Hello, Taryn. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about having you because I read about you quite a bit and all your amazing oh, achievements. Thank you. <laughs> now I have you all to myself for the next 20 minutes or half an hour. So I'm feeling very lucky. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Karen, tell us a little bit about The Right Fit. Absolutely. So essentially it's a two-sided marketplace for creative talent. So we connect brands and advertising agencies and PR agencies with all different kinds of creatives. So models, actors, influencers, photographers, videographers, kind of the whole nine yards, pretty much anything they would need to bring a creative campaign to life. And there's probably just over 13,000 talent in the marketplace now throughout Australia and Southeast Asia. And the idea is is that it streamlines the process. So think of it like an Uber, an on-demand talent that are fully vetted and screened. We look after all of the admin and payments and insurances in the background, just the same way that an Airbnb or an Uber does. And it allows those parties to connect really quickly, efficiently and effectively directly. And is it just for ads or can it be used for any kind of content? For example, a website or a brochure? Yeah, pretty much any kind of content. So if you're looking for a videographer to create a homepage explainer video, you can use it for that. For influencers to amplify content online. Yeah, so really a whole different mix. And if you jump on the case studies tab of our website, We sort of built it to really trigger some ideas of all of the interesting things that we've seen clients do over the time, even booking new headshots for their LinkedIn profiles. So yeah, really you can use it for anything. Right. Okay. If I was a smaller business and I'm thinking, okay, well, I need images for my website. Why would I choose to create my own versus stock images, for example, just buying the photos online? Yeah. I think at the moment, it's so important to have visual images that tell a story of your brand and consumers really need to find a way to engage with your brand, to really understand who you are. And I just don't think stock images or stock video do that. I think that given that the cost of creating your content now has come down so much, you know, even if you're doing it with a mobile phone and snapping some flat lays of your product, you can create really great content at a fraction of the cost than, you know, it used to be in the, in the good old days. So I really just don't think there's an excuse anymore for not having your own custom images. And visually, what you release of your brand is so important. I mean, it really shapes how potential customers view you and perceive you. So it's something that you really should take control of and carve out a bit of time and energy and resources to create beautiful content that you're really proud of. 
you say you need to take your brand seriously and find talent that mm. kind of tell your brand story. But how does a brand do that? What is the process to defining the perfect fit when it comes to talent with a brand? Yeah, I think if you get really clear on what your brand values are first, I think that's first and foremost, and you would totally know that coming from a from PR and comms background, if you don't know who you are as a brand, then it's really hard to tell your brand story. So I think first and foremost, sitting down and figuring out what are your core values as a brand? How do you want to be perceived to your potential future customers? And then who is this particular campaign talking to? So who is the target demographics? Who is that audience? Where do they live on what channels and what content do you need to engage them? So is it static content? Is it long form blogs? Is it videos? And on what channel? Is it on Facebook? Is it going to be on LinkedIn? Is it going to be on your own newsletter, EDMs? So I think once you carve those sort of things out, it becomes a lot easier to sort of start to break down the talent you need in your campaign. So from there, you can say, okay, well, you know, we want to shoot a video clip. We know that our target customer is a mum in her early 40s with teenage kids who's time poor let's create content that is going to appeal to her. What sort of creative story can we tell in a way that's going to entertain her or going to add value to her life? Because I really do think that all content is value exchange. You're asking that customer to part with some of their time and energy and attention to engage with your brand. So you need to be giving them something in return. So whether that is entertaining them or informing them, but adding some sort of value to their life. So I think when you start thinking about that, as a brand, it can become really easy to come up with really great ideas, you know, and we saw a lot of brands during COVID really doing interesting, you know, um, creating at-home workouts for their customer base or cooking recipes and home makeover tips and things that were allowing them to continue to communicate with their customers in a way that was relevant and added value and wasn't just buy some more product from us at a time where maybe that wasn't quite the right message. So yeah, I think work out what your brand values are, work out who your target audience is, and then how you can add value to them. What about finding the actual talent that you're going to use and selecting that person? I mean, you you use the example of, you know, your target audience might be a mum with teenage children. So, okay, that narrows it a bit, but what does this mum look like? How do I choose what that mum looks like when I look through, you know, the talent that the right fit would put forward to me? How do I choose? Yeah, so the great thing is is that you can post a call out to the marketplace. And so you can say, I need a mum who's got teenage kids that are between the ages of 12 and 15 and I want the whole family in the shoot maybe, you know, my mum and the kids, and they need to live in Paran or Potts Point and they need to be available on this particular date and I have this particular budget. So you get to set a budget as the brand, which is really, really different, I think, in our model. Normally it would be you would go to an agency, you know, a modeling agency or an acting agency and you'd be quoted rate. So this way you get to say the budget that you've got to work with and then people apply directly to that job listing who are available to work with you. And then you can go through this so much information on their profile. So you can read their bios, you can check out their social channels. So you can look at their Instagram, their Facebook, YouTube channels. And probably the most powerful part is you get to leak and read their ratings and reviews. So think of it exactly like Uber. You can actually go through and see what other campaigns this talent has worked on, the star ratings they've received from that brand, the feedback. So it really gives you that assurance that this talent's done a great job in the past. They're going to do a great job for my brand. You can look at all of their professional portfolio images and then you can chat with them. So there's an inbuilt chat function. So 
you can literally chat back and forth and, and get to know them a bit. You can ask them some questions, get them to learn a script if that's relevant for your particular product and, and really feel comfortable with the process before you go ahead. So in terms of physically casting someone, you can meet people for face-to-face castings. You can definitely get them to send through uh, self-test videos or casting photos as well. Then from there, it's just the tough decision of deciding who you like best, which I think can often be the hardest part in casting. It's subjective or no? Yeah, I think it really is. I think it's, you know, coming down to that, usually the final top two. And we'll often have it in, in the office here where see people vying for a job and, yeah. and you'll say, oh gosh, I like this one better. And some say, no, I like the other one. So <laughs> I think it really is, really is subjective. And I think it comes down to you as a brand owner knowing or, you know, a marketer knowing the best fit for your target audience and knowing what's going to perform well. Yeah, I think. And, you know, I think it's trial and error as well. I think it's seeing what performs well. And that's another great thing about the cost of content these days is you can shoot really frequently and you can have fresh, great, dynamic, engaging content all the time. So you can try different looks and you can try and see whether GIFs perform better than still images or whether IGTV content performs better than Facebook video, you know. So I think that's really exciting and I think that comes down to the talent type as well. So you can experiment and see, does the lady with dark hair perform better than the woman with short hair that's fair, you know, so you get to sort of have that experience. How diverse is your talent base? There's just over 13,000 talent in the platform, yeah, throughout Asia Pacific. We do have talent all over the world, actually. So we have talent in the US, in the UK, but predominantly, I'd say 80% of our marketplace are in Australia and Southeast Asia. So yeah, it's quite diverse. Everything from drone videographers to international fashion models to commercial actors to voiceover artists yeah we've hopefully got everything that brands could need all in one place i didn't realize that you had videographers and photographers in your offering yes we do we do yes i had no idea i thought it was just models and actors no there we go models actors makeup artists I mean, the great deal of our bookings are definitely for models, actors and influencers, and they're probably the most highly sought after of the talent types. Yeah, we have photographers and videographers. We have clients who use the platform to pull their entire campaign together. So they'll book a photographer to shoot the stills component, a videographer who's a DOP or a director to shoot the TBC element, and then they'll have a makeup artist and a stylist and their talent all booked from us. So... Yeah, it's amazing seeing those come to life. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Good to know. So now I'll ask you the diversity question again, because in my head, I was thinking diversity from a a physical perspective, i.e. if I wanted to hire a model, could I get models of all shapes, colours, sizes, abilities, etc.? So from that perspective, how diverse is your talent base? Oh my gosh, it is incredibly diverse. Our oldest talent on the platform is in their early 90s. We do allow children to have a profile that's managed by a parent. So you can book babies and bubs and mums and bubs and teenagers. We have a huge range of ethnic diversity, which I think is amazing. And you can filter by ethnicity as well. So it's obviously really important for brands to be able to showcase the diversity of their client base as well. So when they're going to an acting agency or a modeling agency, it can be really hard to find that. But on our platform, they can really easily come and they can search by different ethnic backgrounds. They can search by different sizes, different heights, different skill sets. 
and really craft that perfect campaign that showcases, you know, a real reflection of their customer base, which I think is really important. Actually, it was funny to me because once we had booked this meeting, I started just following you on Instagram and looking at what you've been doing. (laughs) And I noticed I'd sent you this question about diversity and then there was something that happened within your business where somebody was questioning diversity because a particular client had requested was it Caucasian models? I can't recall now. A Cauca- yeah, Caucasian model. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it was trying to explain, I guess, the difference of our industry. Firstly, in the advertising and modelling and acting and creative industry, there are definitely some roles that will require certain things and sometimes they will require a plus size model. And so that brand needs to be able to ask for that. They need to be able to ask for certain sizing or certain height. They need to be able to ask for certain ethnicity and they need to be able to ask for certain age, which some people find really shocking as well, because obviously in, in any other industry, you really can't ask someone's age when they apply for a job role. But obviously in our industry, it's definitely something that needs to be asked, especially for some campaigns where there's legal requirements like alcohol advertising, for example, you have to be over the age of 25 to appear in, a, in an ad campaign. Yeah. So it's interesting just seeing the differences, I think, between our industry and other industries where some of those things can't be asked or can't be prescribed in a job role. And then I think it's interesting just seeing how people are, you know, maybe it's a little bit a part of that cancel culture that I think has been really topical at the moment. You know, people really feeling aggrieved about things in society. And I think it's really important that we all focus on things like ethnic diversity and, and supporting women in business. And, you know, there's so many things that I'm personally very passionate about. But I think it's also important that we recognize which issues we need to be upset about and when. And I think the message you were talking about that I shared on my Instagram was, yes, someone was upset that our platform allowed people to post jobs for particular ethnicities. And I think that that is kind of not solving the problem of ethnic diversity. I think that we need to focus on making sure that we call brands to account if we see brands not showcasing ethnic diversity. Absolutely. And if you see any kind of brand or advertising campaign that you believe is not ethnically diverse, then by all means, you know, speak up and speak to that brand. And that's the power of social media these days. You can get in touch with a brand and let them know that you feel that, you know, maybe their advertising campaigns aren't inclusive. But don't get upset that a casting agent needs to cast specific roles for particular campaigns that may ask for things like size or gender or ethnicity or height or even skills because I think, you know, that's not looking holistically at the entire campaign. And I suppose as a client using the right fit, would I have the option to leave the box or the brief on ethnicity open like if I genuinely didn't care? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can say open to all ethnicities. Um, You can say open to all genders. You can say open to all ages. Yeah, so if you don't have any requirements for those skills, absolutely, you don't have to complete them. Interesting. What do you see from the back end? Do you see whether or not clients are approaching things from a diverse perspective and trying to be really inclusive in their campaigns? Yeah, so I also own a modeling agency called Wink Models, and it's something that I've seen over the last sort of four years, a really strong shift to making sure there is ethnic diversity, age diversity, and skill set diversity represented in people's ad campaigns. So, for example, Wink has models who are in wheelchairs and they're frequently booked for campaigns. And I think that that's fantastic. I can't think 10 years ago when I was still running that business that you would see a model who was in a wheelchair being booked for a campaign. It just it wasn't ever requested or sought after. And it certainly is now. We definitely see 
a number of plus size models, you know, always being requested and not just for, I suppose, what was a few years ago, just traditional plus size work for plus size brands. They're being booked for activewear brands, for e-commerce, for things that had traditionally, I suppose, not been looked at as suitable for someone who was plus size. So I think we're making amazing strides in the right direction. That's Um, so good. Yeah. And I think most brands are really cognizant of it. And I think it's really great that consumers get behind that too. You know, when, when they see something done well, I think that they should absolutely champion that because I think that's what makes the difference. You know, you vote with your hip pocket. If you see a brand who's doing it well and that you really believe in, then get behind them, support them, champion them, share their work, buy their products. Cause I think that's what we need more of is positive affirmation and positive change, I think. So no, it's definitely come a long way from the good old days. So. Well, I remember the Iconic did a, um, a campaign. I can't remember the specific details. I remember it was on the beach and it included models of all sizes, all shapes and yeah. all sizes. And I remember thinking, that is awesome. I'm totally going to shop at the Iconic way more, although nothing ever fits me, so I'm constantly returning. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, great. You've got the amazing diverse bodies, but you've got nothing for short asses. Thank you. So, but, you know, I try, I try to support them, but, you know, they got to work on that. I can only buy their shoes. With Wink models, you would pick and choose who you would bring on board, right, as a model, whereas on the right fit, anybody can sign up. Is that right? So we still vet every profile at the right fit. So they have to apply to join and depending on the category they fall into, obviously models will check there experience in their portfolio, videographers who check their show reels, um, hair and makeup artists' qualifications and experience. So we do vet every profile. We actually turn down about 60% of people that apply to join the platform. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we get over 250 applicants a day to join the platform. So it is quite a process going through and, and vetting them all and, and approving the profiles into the platform because we understand from a client's perspective that they do still want high quality professional talent. This isn't a gum tree or Craigslist type scenario where you're getting, <laughs> you know, an am- amateur aspiring. There go my model. hopes and dreams of model. <laughs> All gone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, whereas as Wink is a full service modeling agency, so they do only look after models and influencers, sorry. And, and yes, they definitely choose who they bring on and they represent about 600 models Australia wide on the books there now. Wow. And what are the top five mistakes brands make when choosing talent? And by talent, I mean modelling or acting talent Models for and content, acting, yeah. yeah, for ad campaigns, yeah. websites, etc. Okay. I definitely think having a casting is really important if it's a role that requires specific fit. So if you need specific clothing, then you should definitely be having a fitting because a size eight in one brand can definitely be not a size eight in another brand. So I think definitely having in-person castings and fittings is really important. So if you can definitely do that, if you can't because of COVID, then at least make sure you're getting up-to-date digis. So just natural photos of the model or the actor, a show reel if it's an acting or a speaking role. So making sure that you're comfortable with how they speak to camera, how they present, all of those things are really, really important, obviously, if you're having a speaking role. But it does still surprise me that people will cast speaking roles without having hearing the person speak. No. Um, definitely make <laughs> Yes. No. It's amazing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Yep. I've definitely, probably about five years ago, I've uh, had a client book someone and then go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize they had a French accent. This was a speaking role. And we're like, gosh, you never told us. I mean, we could have told you that he had a French accent or um, maybe you could have actually got him to speak when you asked him. So (laughs) definitely those. Checking things like tattoos and piercings. Mm. So if you're casting from comp cards, they almost will always obviously show those, but just making sure if you have a, a role that requires, especially for TVCs, with someone wearing a short sleeve t-shirt and they've got a sleeve tattoo and that's not okay for a corporate brand, then making sure that you're checking those things at the castings. And then putting together really clear briefs. So the more information you can empower your talent with, the better. So anything like reference images, mood boards, the looks that you're trying to achieve on the day, the more that you can provide to them, the better. And getting really, really clear about what you need them to bring on the day. So things like, do they need to come with their hair and makeup done? Or if you've got a hair and makeup artist coming, if you do have a hair and makeup artist, do they want them to come with no moisturizer on? Do they want them to come with their hair washed or not washed? Do they need to come with a manicure or nude nails? Do they need to bring any wardrobe items? You know, a pretty standard ones for girls are beige bra and beige g-string you know all of those things so just making sure that you really can empower them with that information so they can come to set all prepared ready to go and there's no last minute panics on the day of oh my gosh I you know forgot to ask that model to bring high-heeled shoes or anything like that so just try and think about preparing all of those things in advance yeah give that to the agency or to the model directly using their outfit platform just so they're all ready to go and you can have a super seamless shoot day Are there any biases that still exist or any kind of preconceived ideas about what a particular look might communicate about your brand if you were to use that particular model? For example, I have very big curly hair and I remember when I did TV back when I was younger, a much more attractive young lady. One of the (laughs) things people constantly perceive you as when you've got curly hair is that you're informal, that you're a little bit silly, a little bit fun and not so serious. Does that exist in the modelling world when people are choosing models? I definitely think there's still some stereotypes. When we see brands casting mums, for example, they generally want them to be dark hair. They want them to feel a little bit more girl next door, casual mum, brunette, not platinum blonde, no sort of crazy hair, no pink hair or anything like that. They definitely do sort of still look for that. And that probably comes to body size as well. They don't want them to be too slim, whether that's just not seen as to unattainable maybe for their customer base, but they want them to be probably a healthy size 10 if they're going to be playing a mum role, despite the fact that mums come in all shapes and sizes, (laughs) as we all know. So there's definitely a few of those things that still exist. And look, I think brands are trying to get better at not stereotype casting particular roles, not having the person in the technology shop being for an ad campaign being Asian you know, or having the teacher always being a female, for example. So I think they are definitely getting better at that. And we've actually seen a lot of clients really breaking the mold and casting, you know, same-sex couples from really hero brand campaigns, which I think is fantastic because it's so representative of the Australian society these days. So not all nuclear families are one mum, one dad and two kids. There's so many more makeups these days. So yeah, look, I think brands are trying and And I think the the best thing that we can do as consumers is support them because, you know, I think there was a a Huggies ad maybe two or three years ago now where um, it was a father changing the nappies and 
you know, completely heroed in the whole campaign. And there was sort of a little bit of consumer doubt over that, you know, what, is this right? Is this just um, doing this for... Uh, Publicity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, publicity. And, and I think, you know, we really just need to get behind them and say, hey, it's great. You know, like they had to take a risk at some point in this brand's journey and they've decided to do it and step away from just showcasing mums and let's get behind them. Let's support that. Let's buy their products. Let's, you know, share their social content and not make it anything more than that because I think that's when brands get fearful of taking a risk and that's exactly what we don't want. And isn't it funny that we call it a risk? Yeah. What's so risky yeah. about having a dad change it a nappy? They do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Yeah. So they can showcase all parts of life, not just the bits that we're used to seeing on television or in that campaign. Mm. I hope we see more of it personally. I really do. I hope we see an ad where there's a mum, I don't care what hair she has or whether she's a healthy size 10, but, you know, I think brands need to be realistic. Mums don't walk holding their child's hand, looking at them lovingly. They're dragging them and they're screaming at them (laughs) and they're fighting every urge not to pinch them and say, get in the fucking (laughs) car. You know what I mean? I'm waiting for that day. Yeah, I so agree with you. And you know what? I think the brand that does that will just absolutely earn consumer trust and respect because that's telling a real story that is showcasing our lives, that is, not making us feel guilty about not being these perfect mums that do hold our kids' hands walking down the street, you know. It's showcasing it's okay to be real. This is a brand that understands you. I would absolutely buy that product. (laughs) Me too. I'd be there in a heart. Now, my final question for you is a lot of my clients, when they typically are choosing somebody to work with, put so much emphasis on how big is their social following. (laughs) yeah is this something and to me I'm like chill out let's focus on what we're getting them for are you using an influencer or are we trying to find a model for a campaign or an actor for a campaign is this something that you see all the time and is it something that should be of importance when you're casting somebody for you know either in an ad campaign or for a for any kind of campaign really that's not an influencer campaign No, I absolutely agree with you. Yes, it's something that has become very prevalent in campaigns. People asking how many social followers does this model have or, yes, looking on the right fit and all of their social channels are connected. So we definitely do see those with more social following getting more bookings. And as you touched on, it's not necessarily for influencer work. So the two really... (laughs) So I think there's a few things at play there. There's a little bit of social proof. You're choosing someone that, let's say, 100,000 other people have said is good. This person has 100,000 people that like them, that watch their content and have said that they are a good looking model or whatever it might be, or a talented actor. So therefore that makes me feel as a brand more reassured that I'm making a good decision because 100,000 other people that follow this person have told me that that's a good decision. So I think there's a little bit of that at play, a, a little bit of a safer choice for a brand. I think there's also the hope or the expectation that they're going to get some sort of coverage from it. So whether that's going to be the model sharing the final photos on her social media, whether her doing he or her behind the scenes content on the day to get extra exposure for the brand. So I think sometimes there's a hope or an expectation that that will play a part of it. And I think then there's just sort of a, a misunderstanding exactly as you sort of touched on that actually you're engaging someone to be an actor in a campaign or a model in an editorial lookbook, their social following is not something that needs to be considered. It's not relevant to that job role. So 
I think getting back to the crux of what it is that you're actually trying to achieve. So if you're looking for the best editorial model for that job or because we, we actually see it a lot with photographers as well and even makeup artists, you know, being booked because they have a high social following as opposed to whether wow. or not they, they are the best makeup artist or the best photographer for the campaign, more so that they, I guess, have a little bit of profile. So the world is definitely moving that way. And look, I think it has positives and negatives. I think obviously those talent have spent an extortionate amount of time building that following over time. It's taken years of creating a community and growing and nurturing that community. So yes, in some ways I do think, yes, they, they deserve to be compensated for that. You know, it's a lot of hard work and they've developed a lot of their own content. They really know their audience. They know how to talk to them. They know how to tell a brand story. So in some ways I do think, yeah, you know, it's a great thing. And, and if you can find these people and engage them as brand ambassadors or influencers or advocates for your brand, then, then you know, absolutely. But I think the important thing is not confusing the two and, and understanding what the objective of your campaign is. So if your objective is to hire the best actor who can deliver that line in your TVC in the most convincing way, then making sure that you're choosing that person for the right reasons, not because of their social problem. I mean, them sharing anything anyway, would, would that factor or would it have to factor into the agreement up front? Or is it something that you just kind of on the side try and you know, pressure them to do on the job. Hey, babe, you look great in this photo. You should share this. <laughs> There's definitely a little bit of that. So I think that um, especially on fashion shoot or in fashion campaigns and, and hair and beauty and makeup campaigns and things like that, there's definitely the hope that the model will want to capture their day-to-day life or the influencer will want to capture his or her day-to-day life. So want to showcase them getting their makeup done or being behind the scenes on set or even, you know, taking some of the items home that they've been gifted from the shoot. So there's definitely a part of, okay, this will help us build a relationship with this influencer that may extend beyond just this immediacy of the photo shoot. And of course, a a lot of influencers do share the final campaign images that they appear in because it's good for them. It's sort of a mutually beneficial situation. Ideally, they love the images that they look great in and they want to share them and they want to talk to their audience about their real life which includes being a model and being in this campaign. So there is kind of, I guess, a hope, but there isn't a contractual agreement for the talent to do that, to share anything. So if it is something that you're wanting as a brand, then make sure you have that conversation up front. Make sure you detail it in your brief and list it in the contract, just so everyone's really clear and upfront. So there's, yeah, there's no awkward conversations or, or bad blood after the fact. Thank you so much, Taryn. I've actually learnt a lot about you and your business that I did not realise before. <laughs> it was so lovely to chat and, um, yeah, I really look forward to working with you more. Yes, well, you'll receive my model submission shortly after this. <laughs> <laughs> Please approve all photos. I love it. Career I can make it happen. Just put me in a category, you know, <laughs> kind of overweight, depressed mum with a moustache. Click here. <laughs> I'd do it pretty cheap too. I wouldn't charge much. I'd be happy to just add model to my bio. I don't really care what kind of model, but it would be nice to do so. I love this really authentic mum. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. I love it. Thanks so much, Taryn, for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're super busy. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It was so nice to chat. Likewise. I'll see you soon. Bye. And that's Comical for this week. 
If you'd like to join the show, suggest a topic or ask me a question, hit me up on Instagram at Maria Daggle or email me, comicalpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. See ya.